All right. Well, hey, it's us. It's all of us here. We are here at the Encounters Roundtable podcast, but we're all sitting on some different couches in a circle. And uh, I'm here. I'm Steve Durr. I'm here with Laura Bolgreen, also known as Lolo, Lolo, Jeff Steele, Jeff Steele, Tops, Tops. Uh, his first name is Steve, Steve. And that's not with a PH, is it? No, it's with the V. It's really the spelling. only way to write Stephen. <laughs> I don't know what people are thinking yeah. with Stephen. But I, I would when I I would imagine you'd have a PhD though because you're so smart. Thanks. You're welcome. I do not want to work that hard or go back to school. Man, uh, I've yeah, but you are you are a very smart man. <laughs> I appreciate you thinking so. Thank I you. work hard to maintain that image. Yeah, good job. Your glasses help. So, anyways, it's great to be here with all of you. Uh, we're taking time wrestling with the scriptures that we cover on the Sunday prior to this Friday podcast. Um, and then um, on Monday, we hear a podcast that goes along with that. This past week, Kayla I mean, and Daryl Sluka. What's that? Never mind. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Could you not do Don't that? Don't interrupt <laughs> on podcasts. <laughs> but uh, Kayla and Daryl Sluka did a great job sharing uh, on this uh, text as well. And so now we're going to talk about it a little bit. But uh, this past Sunday, Tom's did a great job uh, being the smart uh, gentleman of faith that he is. Uh, telling the story from 1 Samuel 25 about Abigail and Nabal. Did I say that correctly? Nabal. Okay, Nabal. And uh, David. If you say it authoritatively, people will believe you. Thank you. And and telling their story. Yes. So, Tom, could you bring us back, for those who aren't familiar with that story, uh, give us a quick recap of that story. I will. And before I do, I just want to, like, I interrupted you to say, you know, you hope that Monday's podcast matches up with Sunday's. Because oh. after the message on Sunday, I ran into Kayla Meyer. We were both getting food for lunch. And she just informed me that, by the way, Daryl and Kayla were going to land in a different spot than I landed uh, like even take issue on an interpretation part of a thing, but we'll get into that in a minute. Sounds great. So that's what you call foreshadowing. <laughs> yes, foreshadowing. For this podcast this could be where we're headed. <laughs> but as for a nice succinct summary, Nabal was a bad man. Abigail was an amazing woman, and they happened to be married. Uh, it must have been a very unfortunate marriage. Uh, but the to shorten the story, David who is the young, hopeful king, but fugitive king on the run because the actual king, still sitting on the throne, Saul, was chasing after him to try to kill him and everybody around him. Uh, While he's on the run, he's in a tight spot. They're just trying to survive. They need food. It happens to be a festival time. They happen to know of a wealthy young landowner in the area by the name of Nabal. It's not Nabal. You can say Nabal all you want. Can I? Absolutely. I'm going to say Nabal. (laughs) Have at it, man. Okay, so he goes to Nabal. So Nabal, yes, it is. uh, And David had, like, been in the area where Nabal's sheep and goats were kept. And according to even Nabal's uh, workers, David's... This is my take on it. (laughs) It's where we're going to have some difference of opinion. David and his uh, people really took care of them and looked out for them while they were in the same area. And they were appreciative of that. Uh, And so David's like, man, 
we've got to get hooked up with some food. And he goes and asks for some. And Abal's like, I'm sorry, who are you? And, uh, and, and where did you come from? I know nothing about you. And why would I share anything with you? Go away. Uh, David was really angry and decided he was going to uh, passive-aggressively throw insults. I'm sorry, no. He was going to strap on swords and go and just slaughter people left and right um, if it were not for fast-acting, quick-thinking, full-of-wisdom-and-grace Abigail, who intercepted David before he could get there and had food ready to feed the, feed the men. Um, and she said, I don't want you to make this mistake. Um, this will not set you up well for the future. And David thanked God and her for that um, perspective and uh, therefore um, was able to avoid really making a really a mistake that would have left a mark. <laughs> it would have been a stain on his character and on his career. And you can find this story in 1 Samuel chapter 25. And then so what happens to Nabal then? Uh, so interestingly, because David allowed God to be the one who who stands up for him and uh, God says, I will repay, says the Lord in Romans, right? Well, Paul's quoting somewhere. doesn't matter. The Lord wants to be the one that is, is responsible for any kind of venge, revenge or aven- vengeance uh, seeking. David allowed God to do that then by turning back and blessing them. And then the Lord basically, we're not sure, it could have been a heart attack, a stroke, but basically, uh, you know, Scripture says his heart turned to stone and 10 days later he was gone. Wow. He smote. He was smote. Smote. Not smitten. Not smitten. <laughs> he was smoted. God smote him. So um, so you have the story of um, Abigail um, stepping in and um, speaking uh, to David and helping him get on the right track and protecting her husband from himself and protecting David from acting in a way that would have gone against uh, his character as well. Um, that's kind of how you landed on this. Yeah. So now, t- how was how that different than what Kayla and Daryl had shared? Yeah, actually, because Jeff and I were talking about this just a little bit earlier, I'm going to let Jeff share the Daryl and Kayla perspective. Well, it in reading the reading the chapter, David comes across as... Um, kind of a warlord or, uh, you know, like, um, not corrupt necessarily, but like, uh, you know, somebody with this power, uh, a gang leader almost like, Hey, I have looked after you and now it is your time to return the favor. Like, so when I, <laughs> I happen to live in Brazil, sorry. When I, I'm going to work it in. All right, hold on, time out, time out. Oh For gosh. those of you who don't know, Steve Thompson, as a young man, used to live in Brazil. His family were missionaries there. We don't know to go into it's detail. No detail. With us. All I'm saying, we lived in a big city, and we had, my parents had to explain this to me, we had a guy come to our house, tell us he was the guard for the neighborhood, and we needed to pay him. Um, that it was completely this guard just basically what, what's the word extorted uh, extorting is the fancy word shaking down is what okay. I'm thinking of yeah he's saying I'm protecting this neighborhood I'll take a payment from all of you yeah wow. so like it's that mob. kind of a feel to it right with David right right it it feels like that in in reading the story like like hey we showed up um, looking for food 
uh, happens to be festival time, like we're showing up, it's dinner time. It'd be rude not to invite us in. <laughs> Right? What you cooking in there? They're standing outside the windows looking all pitiful. <laughs> right. Right. That's kind of the, that's, that's just what it feels like sometimes in, in reading it. And so, like, here we are. That's legit. Feed us. And if you don't, so, like, that's one thing. Showing up at dinner time, hey, what you cooking? Okay, that's, that's one thing. But then if, when Nabal says no, now David is angry and he's going to go kill somebody. Like, that's the part that makes it feel like, whoa, dude, yeah. we just, that escalated quickly. Yeah, zero to 60. And and doesn't. He's hangry. You know, hungry you're and not angry yourself together. when you you're angry. bad choices. <laughs> Lolo's laughing. Is this I from was, a personal experience? No, well, I just was appreciating the explanation for hangry. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dad joke, apparently. And I would say that, like, yeah, either of those are distinct possibilities. Because uh, scripture doesn't actually tell us explicitly what David's motivations were in all of this. Right. We're trying to do the best at guessing based on the circumstances. So I think both are completely legitimate possibilities. Well, and, I, and I'm wondering about the whole, like, it's sheep shearing time. It's festival time. Like, this is most likely a time when you're supposed to be hospitable mm-hmm. and share and all of those kinds of things is kind of my assumption. Um and so, like, to actually say, no, I'm not going to share, well, that that probably is a significant personal affront. Like, to say, like, it's, you know, I, I have this huge Thanksgiving meal here. You can't have any, even though I'm supposed to be sharing it with people, you know, mm-hmm. who, who don't have food. And, and especially if you've been good to me and, like, we haven't wronged you and all that kind of stuff. So, like, there's probably a legitimate grievance here. Um, it does feel like, calm down. David, like you can be insulted. Uh, you know, somebody can think that you are not, you know, worth their time or whatever without you having to go to war over it, it seems like. Yeah. And just because David is, you know, widely held to be the greatest king that Israel had, he clearly had his flaws, as you find out later in his story. But like, so he certainly could have been guilty of extorting, paying pow- playing power plays to make ends meet or something it 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 wasn't necessarily all you know better roses there he, right he wasn't squeaky clean right or survival just trying to survive you know he's he's on the run right and this brings up kind of an idea of when it comes to scripture the idea of reading scripture and engaging in scripture together and lolo laura um, you talked about how you love to read scripture and engage in scripture, uh, not just alone, but in community and, and how that's, um, how much you appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I learned, um, just a few years ago about this, the, the, the way that ancient Hebrews would have engaged with scripture in more of a form of asking questions rather than seeking answers. And so this is really challenging, I think, in a lot of our Western contexts when we are, we are really, and that's a strength for us in a lot of ways, we're driven to um, get to the bottom of things. We're driven to get the right answer and the, the one answer. You know, we, this is kind of a, a general motivation for us, but it doesn't often work when it comes to scripture because there's a lot of stories there's a lot of things that are like this that just aren't actually spelled out that plainly there's so much that's open for interpretation there's so much messy humanness in the stories of scripture and so much that we might read 
on any d given day differently ourselves or that we would read different from someone else based on our own experiences and our own filters that we're bringing. So the way that, that the ancient Hebrew people would have, have studied scripture is, um, is through a practice called the Midrash, which is just asking questions, what if this means this? What if it means this? What if it means this? And instead of trying to drive to a conclusion based on all of those possibilities, the goal is really just to bring it all to the table and to hold it together and then say, okay. <laughs> and, and, and that's a, that's a tension and an openness, expansiveness that makes some of us a little bit itchy and uncomfortable because we want it to be um, clear. We want it to be concise. We want it to be concrete. But I think that it's, it is a good practice for us in community to say, what if, um, David was extorting and was in the wrong. How does that change how we read the story? And what if he wasn't? What if it was a completely innocent thing? And how does that change how we read the story? And being able to hold those tensions together, it is just basically um, the, it, the picture that I've heard it uh, compared to is like turning a gem where you turn it in the light and you see different facets and different sides of beauty. And it's all the same gem, but the more you turn it, the more you examine it from different angles, you get to see different things come to the surface. And I guess I would add to that, like, I, we don't need to feel a sense of insecurity then about that. Right. And that, um, you know, truth is not truth or that God doesn't speak clearly. Uh, but the, but how we get there, God has done it through a very messy, uh, well, history, but in, we have the narrative of that. Um, and so in order for us to not get lost maybe in our single perspective, uh, we would do ourselves a tremendous disservice if we shut out other people's perspectives right. who are also seeking truth and seeking Jesus himself. Uh, and so I think we can gain greater clarity and wisdom uh, collectively, uh, whereas if we try to do it alone, we are going to be prone to, we're opening ourselves up to actually missing, uh, maybe even missing the point, but certainly missing uh, other perspectives that would inform it more deeply. Yeah, I think that's good. It's good to be able to have that uh, curiosity um, and engage in questioning together and be able to um, uh, engage in that way. And that brought up to me, even just when you were talking about that ancient way of, of doing that, it brought up Luke 2 to me and Jesus um, at the temple when he was uh, a really young boy um, and his parents are looking for him and they find him. And he's sitting in the temple, and it says uh, they couldn't find him. Uh, they returned to the temple, and uh, in Luke 2, 46, says, After three days they found him in the temple. He was sitting among the teachers. Uh, and that, in the, when you're sitting, as, uh, that, that's, uh, when you're sitting, that's kind of a, a place of teaching. Uh, he was sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and putting questions to them. And everyone who heard him was amazed by his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were shocked. <laughs> so what was interesting by that is uh, it's exactly what you're talking about there, Lolo. It's, it's the idea of he's listening to them, he's putting questions to them, and yet people are amazed at his understanding and answers. So people would be giving a question, asking a question, and responding with questions to those questions, which would reveal... Um, understanding and answers. Um, and they were expanding their understanding of God together in community. 
and uh, and Jesus was a part of that, even as a middle school aged boy, uh, which is amazing. This was something Jesus himself was a part of, and I love that. Instead of just uh, saying I'm on my own, locked in with what I think, it's no, I'm going to open myself up to uh, be in community in faith and explore what is it that God is saying through God's word and through God's word in community. So I just love that story. It just came to mind. Must have been a Holy Spirit thing. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I'll, I'll run with it. That sounds good. Any other final thoughts from anyone? Boy, that's going to be a long pause. We're going to have to edit out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that, that the word that you used, curiosity, is that's what I was thinking, is that what that then... Um, requires us to do in reading scripture in that way, in this uh, question, asking questions and within community, it requires us to have a posture of humility and curiosity rather than one of, you know, always really, really digging in our heels and thinking that we are, that our, the way, our way of reading is the right way or of thinking, well, I've read this before, so I already know what it says. It really requires us to continually approach scripture with a posture of humility and curiosity. And those are just, those are the two words I think that just keep coming to mind. Yeah, that's good. It's good. Jeff, would you close us out today? Sure. Yeah, let's pray together. God, thanks for uh, the community that you call us to. Thank you for uh, this group of teachers that I learn from. Um, this group uh, who shares uh, wisdom and insight and, and the way that you're sharing um, with them. And uh, thank you for this church community where we can listen and we can listen with each other and on behalf of each other. We listen in prayer. Um, God, in so many ways, we just want to be a community that listens to you and does that uh, together. So God, reveal yourself to us as a church. Reveal yourself to us as a faith family um, and help us to draw closer to you in your name. Amen.